Attention crew, this is your Captain Caliban speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests, and a few little surprises along the way. The premiere of Star Trek Discovery looms ever nearer, like an enemy ship filling up your view screen, and we've got the latest coverage regarding that, plus other news items from the Trek sphere. Later in the show, I talk with two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast, Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica of the Greatest Generation podcast. We're all embarrassed. It's a support group of sorts, remaining nerdy men together. So stick around to hear that. And at the end of the episode, I'll talk about this show's plans, W slash R slash T, the upcoming Star Trek Discovery. We've got a lot to do, so let's get underway. Let's dive into this week's Discoverage. Jason Isaacs, rumpled provocateur and Larry the Cable Guy catchphrase enthusiast, found himself in a bit of hot rectagino recently when he was quoted by the New York Daily News as saying, quote, I don't mean to sound irreverent when I say I don't care about the diehard Trek fans. I only don't care about them in the sense that I know they're all going to watch anyway. I look forward to having the fun of them being outraged so they can sit up all night and talk about it with each other, end quote. The Daily News. Oh boy. Okay, okay. I can do this. Uh... Captain Jerk. Uh, by the way, these are all in like 96 point block font. Um, discovery uh, with a hyphen between dis and covery. And there's quotes around dis. Um, Cling on to your pearls, nerds. Um, you get the idea. The quote got the attention of Captain Jerk, uh, Captain Kirk himself, with William Shatner tweeting a surprised emoji in response. Not sure who plays that one in the film. Isaacs immediately backtracked or sidetracked or doubled down. I don't know. He wrote in response to Shatner's tweet. Fun facts. Number one, yours are unfillable boots. I'm going barefoot. Number two, never mention legacies. Number three, said I didn't care about attracting the diehard fans. All right. And he finally added... That said, for the few idiots offended enough to tell me, one, to go F myself, and two, they'll never watch, number one, I'm my top choice, and number two, I dare you. So, I'm going to go ahead and say that Captain Lorca's Star Trek collectible card game stats would probably read Defiance 9, Diplomacy 3, Self-Love 8, and Catchphrase Appropriation 10. Everyone, let's just sit tight for another 30 days. Please? Dude, maintain. The show's just about to come out. At this rate, Rain Wilson is going to say that he admires Hitler or Doug Jones is going to rob a convenience store. Although I feel like even though he'd be dressed as a fawn and he'd be walking funny, I could still pick him out of a lineup. You know, you can, you can just tell it's Doug Jones in there. On the subject of Dirty Deeds, the premiere for Discovery has landed itself a TV MA rating, the strongest rating for a broadcast TV show, but don't expect to see Jason's Isaacs just yet. Showrunner Aaron Harberts has said the show will cleave to a hard PG-13 rating, citing the fact that it's a show that families should be able to enjoy together. In films, PG-13 means you get one F-word, so if Isaacs really needs something to get done, he can try, make it f***ing so, but just once, just one time. According to Alex Kurtzman, the second season of Discovery, if we are lucky enough to get one, will focus on the aftermath of the Klingon War, which, through the transitive property, I think, confirms that the first season will be a war with the Klingons, which we kind of knew, but you know now we really know. 
We've also learned more about the origin of series main character Michael Burnham, season two, and specifically what happened to her parents. And if you don't want spoilers, start going la 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 for 15 seconds right after I take a breath. <gasps> They're killed by Klingons when she's a kid, and so she's taken in by Sarek. So it seems clear to me that grown-up Burnham does a bad, bad thing, Chris Isaac style, and starts a war with the Klingons that Captain Lorca wants to finish, Jason Isaac style, and it's a bad situation. And as I mentioned on a previous show, it seems like Takuvma, the Klingon commander, had a bad childhood too, and he's got a big chip on his shoulder, and nobody wants to back down. Wow, there's a lot of poignant political parallels there, as Trek usually features, so that's good. Just as long as no one starts quoting Shakespeare. Have we not heard the chimes at midnight? Well, a different kind of bell will be ringing soon for two members of the Star Trek family. Adam Nimoy, son of Leonard, and Terry Farrell, a.k.a. Jedzia Dax of DS9, announced this week on Twitter that they're getting married. Married, married, married! The two have been dating for some time, apparently, and she accompanied him last year on the media tour for his documentary, For the Love of Spock. And the two showed off their chemistry when Adam hosted her panel at Star Trek Las Vegas this summer. Speaking of Mary, I feel like Mary Hart. When did the show become Entertainment Tonight? I haven't been this excited since Nana Visitor and Alexander Siddig got divorced. I kid, I kid. They're two big, beautiful nerds. They're great together. And if they're smart, they'll have this guy play at the ceremony. That's Ralph Leinen, cantor for St. Donatus Church in Aachen, Germany. That's Cantor with a K. He's playing a medley of Star Trek themes and score selections, which he was able to play from memory after hearing only once. Okay, calm down, Ralph. It's already impressive. It sounds fantastic, but we know you got a shelf full of Trek DVDs at home. You can hear more of Ralph's impressive work on YouTube. I'll leave a link in the show description. Wow, I would use that power for evil. As soon as the priest started talking about the battle between good and evil. Well, it's a legal matter from now on for Adam and Terry, but another Star Trek star has found himself wedded to a lawsuit. Not even God can forgive me for that kind of hack transition. LeVar Burton, he of Reading Rainbow fame, is being sued by public broadcasting station WNED in Buffalo, New York, over claims that he's attempting to profit over the trademark of Reading Rainbow, which WNED owns. Burton had reached an agreement with the station to produce an online revival of Reading Rainbow in 2011, but WNED revoked their support of the deal over claims that Burton was pursuing his own Rainbow revival, which he raised over $6.5 million for on Kickstarter without WNED's involvement. The station is suing Burton and his production company RR Kids for... Get ready... Copyright infringement, conversion, cybersquatting, breach of contract, breach of the implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing, interference with customer relations, trademark infringement, and declaratory relief. They're also demanding that he stop using the phrase, but you don't have to take my word for it, on his new podcast, LeVar Burton Reads, to stop describing his new podcast as Reading Rainbow for Adults, and they're restricting him to only fly half as high as a butterfly. Like a lot of trademark disputes, it's hard to see who is in the right here. Clearly, WNED can't make money off of reading Rainbow without LeVar Burton, but things don't seem to be 100% on his side either. I mean, he seems to be at least partially trying to protect himself from explicit infringement. I mean, sure, you know, RR Kids makes a better Twitter handle, but what do you think the RR stands for? You know, using the catchphrase on his non-connected podcast seems like a problem. And if you look into the story, it seems like RR Kids and Burton do pretty much all of the content production for the brand. But as this was all shaking out, everything that was on readingrainbow.com suddenly got transferred to lavarburtonkids.com, and the Reading Rainbow Skybrary is now LeVar Burton's Skybrary. 
I mean, come on, like possession is nine tenths of the law, except in intellectual property where trademark is nine tenths of the law. And I mean, hosts and brands can survive beyond the end of their partnerships together. Look at the WWF. I mean, the WWE, you know, Bob Vila got thrown out of the old house and he went home again. Um, um, Dick Sargent. Here's hoping that WNED can come to its senses that they need Burton and Burton can stop trying to make deals with Netflix behind their back. But you don't have to take my word for it. What? Lawyers from who on line two? Recently, I was extremely fortunate to attend a live taping of the Greatest Generation podcast hosted by Adam Pranica and Benjamin Harrison, two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. And before the show, I got a chance to interview them. And here it is. Uh, well, we were talking before about you guys trying to recreate the experience of the yeah. live show uh, for people here. Well, we all how's that I been? Don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk a ton of shit. Like, we'll, we'll see how it goes tonight. Um, it, uh, yeah, like our last tour was we basically used the same setup, so uh-huh. it uh, it bore out that time. Like the idea is that we have clips loaded up, and we. You know, because we are reviewing the show, we want to like sure. cite our source material. Yeah, right. And uh, and so that's like why the clips come in, and then we have lots of you know characters that we've created over the uh, <laughs> right over the series that pop up, and a lot of them have their own theme music and, and yeah. there's drops and stuff. So the high wire act though is like you know it's easy to edit a show after the fact and put the drops sure. in just right and just so so there's like a fair amount of unintentional comedy of like <laughs> firing a drop a little late or a little early <laughs> or like yeah or messing it up <laughs> but uh but for the most part like that's a fun challenge of yeah. doing it sure well and it also like i think wouldn't feel like the show if we showed up and we're like doing the voices and the right. music that's just a stool associated with that voice and wasn't yeah. right so um, and plus, you guys work in film as well, so this is kind yeah. of secondhand for you. Or we nature. are to- <laughs> both gear dorks, so this comes easy to <laughs> okay. both of us. Uh, I think that fr- the first time I heard you guys together was on um, your podcast with oh, yeah. Chris. Let's drink, uh, let's drink about it. Yeah, um, and you guys had a long, extended discussion about creme de banane. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> went on for a while. Sure. So. I didn't think to ask if they uh, stocked that. <laughs> yeah. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, any that's other not something we put on the rider <laughs> for a very should, good reason. That's a good. It's like a, what is it? A lot of bands put like a test. Like, yeah, will they that's do the this brown thing? M&M test. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, are there any other uh, completely obscure liqueurs that you have picked up over the years that are gathering dust because you'd made one drink out of them? I have one in my closet that is called Elisir Novasalis, <laughs> and it is a. I think it's Italian. It's the bitterest shit I've ever tasted. Oh, okay. It like it is so much more bitter than like I mean like people talk about uh, Malort as one of the most hard to drink things. Like you cannot believe that somebody tasted this and was like, let's put this in a bottle and sell it. <laughs> what was it called? Elisir Nova Salis. I'll go give you some when we get to Brooklyn. <laughs> it sounds like a genesis species of it, some animal. I'm not kidding. Like, you take a taste of it, and, like, things don't taste right for the rest of the day. <laughs> oh. Other, th- like, it ruins your mouth. It's you should like brush your teeth uh, and it's then It's like a Chinese peppercorn, then. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, how did you guys meet? How did you guys get hooked up? Uh, we met through a mutual friend of ours named John Roderick. Okay. And uh, we both went to one of his live shows together and I knew of Ben through uh, 
one of his video projects with Jesse Thorne that he did called Put This On. Oh. And I was just sort of a fan of his work and recognized him on site at Roderick's show. And I was like, hey, man, really like your work on Put This On. And then, like, sort of recoiled. Like, <laughs> because socially, I can be very, like, ha. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the only time until this project that anybody ever yeah. recognized me. <laughs> uh, but we, like, Roderick, like, put us together and he was like you two are the same guy you'll be friends and uh it was not long before we were like down at the other end of the table from everybody kibitzing and making making wisecracks like we were very fast friends i would say yeah is that when you guys realized that you both love star trek no it probably took like a year and a half or two years before we ever made jokes about that yeah, we, we were in-person friends, and then we immediately became social media friends, and mm-hmm. it was on social media about a year later when yeah. I think Ben posted something about it. And then in my, like, I, I placed a very big hat on top of his hat to get, <laughs> so that he would notice <laughs> my, uh, my interest and <laughs> trivia knowledge. And then, I don't know, I don't even know what we were referring to, but we started uh, batting around Star Trek jokes. Yeah. Uh, and then it wasn't and long just after like, that. Like really taking swings for the fences with the Star Trek jokes, like like sexualizing in ways that we wouldn't <laughs> ever do uh, on a live podcast. Sure, probably, of course not. <laughs> like, back when back when I had thirty Twitter followers and, <laughs> and a lot of shame. Uh, your show, The Greatest Generation, is a show uh, with two guys who are uh, a little embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast, uh, which leads me to ask why or how did you decide that this was a thing that you had to do, like you'd make a podcast out of this. Well, I think that those jokes were, they felt like something that we could just keep doing forever. And we had wanted to do a project together, but both of us come from a little bit of a fame deficit in terms of, uh, in terms of like, if, if we start a podcast, nobody's going to care unless we make it about something that people care about. Sure. Both having like enough, like, material and expertise on a topic like made it feel like the right choice but also like you know like Adam had to set up a bank account for us the other day and like tell the bank person that (laughs) it's for a Star Trek podcast which is like like that like that is so embarrassing (laughs) I'm so glad that wasn't me Like, there, like this was a mom-age lady that I had to tell. I had to not only explain what a podcast was, but what right. what a Star Trek podcast might be, and also make the case that this was a bank account that would get use. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't worry. Uh, were there any other, like, go-no-go points for you guys where you realized, like, we're doing a thing now. This is not just screwing around anymore. I want to be clear, like, about the beginning of the project in that... I had less than zero expectation that this would get any traction at all. Sure. For a couple of reasons. Like, one, the market saturation of Star Trek podcasts is such that, like, yeah. like we need two more, like, straight white guys talking about nerd it, right, right. Like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, like, the intention really and honestly was to do a project to see if we could stick to a schedule okay. to like project project manage something together on sure. opposite coasts. Yeah. It yeah. could have been about anything. Does that come out of your work as producing? Just yeah. thinking, oh we could tackle it like that. Yeah, I mean like if like we knew from previous hangs that like we had a dynamic that was 
good for something. <laughs> Maybe podcast. This Kevin Uchbridge, uh, Uchbridge uh, improvisation needs a home. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I think the first podcast idea we ever talked about was because we've both got, like, long-suffering documentaries that we're working on. Okay. <laughs> and we talked about the idea of a show where we call each other up and check in on documentary progress. But it would have been way too depressing, I think. And... <laughs> people would have cared even less than two cisgendered straight white guys talking about nerd shit. Right. But I think it's interesting that like shame was also a core component of that podcast <laughs> idea true, too. Yeah. Like shame as a mechanism or an, as an inspiration to continue working. Yeah. yeah. And like one of the weirdest things about the show is that I think we've both gotten a little bit more open about sharing like really embarrassing things like like not even related to Star Trek, like life stuff. Yeah, Yeah. and people really respond to that. Yeah, because I think that if, like, as nerds, we are all used to not knowing how to do a social thing (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What's your approach when you're getting ready to cover a particular episode? Um, Well, we both will watch it independently. Mm. Um, It's just like up to up to each host to like have the episode watched when we're ready to record yeah and uh i think we both like take notes and like try to come up with bits and premises and stuff we want to talk about yeah uh as we're watching i mean half my notes get thrown out every episode because i'll you know be like leading into something and adam will tackle something i said and then that'll go down a rabbit hole and become much more interesting than the dumb idea i had (laughs) written down um so then we like we usually been like an hour and 15 minutes recording um and like at least 15 minutes of that is us going like oh yeah like we have to do this now how do we do that again like we never remember the order of the segments uh, until i don't know it's we we had a debate about how the segment order goes today yeah (laughs) just like i don't know how long we'll have to do this before we know that yeah (laughs) but uh and then um we do two episodes a week right now so yeah Typically, Adam will edit Monday's episode, and I'll edit Wednesday's episode, okay. and we're usually like at least a couple weeks ahead. So, you guys have like segments like Bible study and opening Star Trek cards and things like that. Did those develop organically, or did you think we need some content? This is a, a <laughs> podcast. Yeah, no, I think um, like the Bible study segment developed because we had a listener uh, send us. He like was at a thrift store and sent us the show bible oh okay. he just like found it somewhere and it was funny because he works for uh a like government agency like an alphabet soup agency oh. and sent us like a patch from his unit <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sounds like he does like a pretty serious like kick in the door type work okay <laughs> so it's crazy to think about like somebody who's a real guy <laughs> right <laughs> with a real job like that <laughs> listening to our show and being like i'm gonna send these guys the show bible <laughs> the cards just happened because like we were i think we were talking adam shared a story pretty early on about um spending way too much birthday money on trading cards and yeah uh he like bought some off eBay and sent them to me, and uh, <laughs> we did, uh, we opened some on on mic, and that sort of just turned into its own thing. So. Yeah, you guys always have an uh, ASMR business if this starts. <laughs> sure, so. yeah. 
Um, you guys are famous for your killer Caliendo level impressions uh, on, on the show. Um, and I get a oh, that's a very veiled <laughs> dig. I uh, I get a sense that a lot of what you do on the show is um, for you. Uh, would you still be doing this if you weren't able to attract the audience that you do? Absolutely, I yeah. think so. Yeah, I mean, we didn't start it with the idea that there would be an audience. I think that um, our like level of commitment to it and and like taking it as seriously as we do is because we have like amazing listeners who are like really like they're incredibly supportive both like contributing financially to the show but also like making artwork like there's people that make drawings of every show mm. we have a listener in Ohio named Bill Tilly who makes trading cards of each episode oh, really? okay. and like puts them up on Twitter and they're like amazing and hilarious and you know, like if uh, if we were doing it for ourselves, like we laugh every single time we record an episode, and that's like a reward in and of itself. But like, I also feel like a responsibility to like make something that continues the fun for those people out there, also. Sure. It's weird how like obligation is the death of fun for a lot of things. It can I would be. say even most things. Yeah. yeah. But as this show has has sort of turned into a duty, like people. Like, it feels like an obligation now, but it's not one that I'm unhappy with yeah. with being a part of. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels really good to make something that so many people enjoy. Yeah, especially when I'm sure you guys do things every day that are like, i got to do this, or I don't want to shoot this, but this is Yeah, this is, this is no fun. joke. This is the most satisfying project I've sure. ever had of any kind. It's great. Sure. Some of my favorite parts are when you guys are kind of blowing off steam on the show. <laughs> and I, I, don't I don't recommend this to the end user, but I like when you guys have a show that's so bad that you're like, yeah, we're going to drink through this one. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just drink and see how that goes. You got some real winners coming up in season seven, too. Yeah, yeah, sure do. Um, other than sweet booze, uh, how do you guys prepare for bad episodes? Um, like, what are you trying to accomplish in a Luxwana Troy episode rather than just banging uh, or bagging on it? I think... At least speaking personally, I really do try to see the good <laughs> in the episodes that we watch, even though I would, of the two of us, characterize myself as the most down on <laughs> bad episodes. Sure. But yeah. I think I try to approach it. We've talked ourselves spot. into liking some episodes that are, like, universally reviled. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think I we mean, both liked Sobrosa more than I thought we would, oh for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you look at it, not to, sorry to interrupt you, but if you look at it as not a Star Trek episode, yeah. there's maybe like an Outer Limits episode in sure. there or something, but it's not Trek at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird episode. Yeah. The episodes like that totally pervert the Star Trek as a place theory, you yeah. know, because that is, yeah. they right. totally did that and it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't work 100% of the time. This is your second tour now, right? Second tour. Um, what first, you... first one with the training wheels off. Though. Okay, sure. What did you learn the first time? We learned that uh, doing it 100% ourselves is folly. <laughs> <laughs> Always have a sound man. <laughs> yeah. One of our venues did not have a sound man. Um, I mean, I think we one of the things we learned the first time was, like, people actually want to come see this live, yeah. which we was a totally untested idea. It was like I was going to be in the Northwest and I was like, hey, like, what do we, why don't we try out doing some live shows? And I think we booked two 50 seat venues and one 90 seat venue. Okay. And like the shows went really well and were fun to do and we got great reaction. 
uh, to them. So like when it came time to do this one, like in our, uh, <laughs> we started getting back like what venues we were gonna be playing. And it was like, oh, like the smallest venue on this tour is twice as big as the biggest <laughs> venue on the last tour. Sure. Like when, we, when I walked in and saw these chairs, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm definitely feeling that right now. But you're sold out here, though, right? Yeah, they are sold out. Yeah, um, you're looking at a movie for the uh, on this tour, uh, First Contact. Uh, how is it different to approach a film than it is to approach an episode? I think it's nice because like the the story structure of a film kind of lends itself to like breaking it up and like talking about each part yeah. in a way that a film, a television episode, is less easy to do. Like, we make act breaks on our own show that are, like, very arbitrary. <laughs> right. It's just like, okay, like, that bit kind of fizzled and died, and then we started talking about another scene, so I'll put some music in Drop there. Drop the, right. Uh, we have to plan that ahead for, <laughs> for this. So, okay, okay. Uh, we'll see how well we do it that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what have you learned about your fans by seeing them in person? Uh, they're, like, they're incredible. They're super sweet. Like, yeah, like, much like the surprise of being able to do a live show and having anyone come out, like, it was such a neat surprise to meet people after a show and, like, and have them all be totally sweet and mm. huggy and, <laughs> like, to tell you to your face that, like, what you do is, has a value and, like, helps them get through a bad day or a bad week. Sure. Like, that is the ultimate yeah. to hear that. Yes. I stopped reading our reviews a long time ago, and so to get <laughs> that kind of in-person feedback, I think, is incredible. And like, it's a great floaty feeling yeah. to hear that every time. What's in the future for the show? Are uh, you guys going to cover other Trek series? Um, yeah, like we're going to. We've uh, we've committed to doing Deep Space Nine next, and. Uh, there's uh, there's other things in the works that we probably can't like sure. reveal, but um, you know I hope people discover what's next. Oh, okay. Well, I'll ask you about. Uh, you want me to go and play thing. a drop? Crickets <laughs> <laughs> drop, maybe. Um, a couple of bookkeeping questions. I'll let you guys go. Uh, okay. Do you have a favorite next gen episode? I feel like mine is always changing. Yeah. And I think it. I think the show has has helped me see it that way. And there's a fair amount of recency bias to what I like. Yeah, sure. the most yeah. recent great episode. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I think Parallels was the most recent sure. favorite episode that I had seen. Yeah. That's a great one for the um, Trek as a place, I think. Because yeah. it doesn't really matter. It could have happened to Worf, it could have happened to any character, but it's yeah. just a Star Trek problem. Yeah. Do you have a worst episode? Code of Honor is like the cop-out answer. Yeah. <laughs> right. The racist, the the yeah. really racist one. Yeah, I think the episodes that I dislike the most are are the ones where characters we know to be smart make stupid decisions for the sake of advancing sure. plot. Mm -hmm. And I am having a hard time thinking of an episode specifically that's done that. But yeah. I know as recently as season seven, it's happened, and mm -hmm. I think that is the thing that frustrates me the most. Is like you should tell a story that uh, that works with your character's truth. Yeah. And changing the characters to fit your story, I, I, I disagree with as a, as a 
creative person, but I, I also like, it feels like a missed opportunity. Like there's only so many hours of this show that have ever been made. Yeah. And it makes me sad to see one that feels false in yeah. that way. Uh, and finally, uh, F. Mary Kill, Roe Laren, Amanda <laughs> Rogers, or Kamala. Is Amanda Rogers the girl that's Q? She's the true Q. The and, true Q. And Kamala the, is uh, uh, Nikki Cox? Senator no, from Jansen. the great state of California. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man, what phase of her uh, development are we talking oh, about? In her perfect mate development? Perfect mate development. Uh, okay. Let's say end phase. Okay, so she's already like locked in on somebody, sure. not me. Could be you. But she I will don't be locked kill in. Kill any of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's Plus, a game. Plus, I could not kill Amanda Rogers. Well, but but in this scenario, maybe you can, and maybe that means you have some kind of advanced power. So maybe killing if killing Amanda Rogers gives me Q powers. Then I definitely kill Amanda <laughs> <She's> Rogers. <dead. laughs> I definitely say that. I think I think you'd have to marry Fomka. Yeah. For her perfect mateitude, which would then leave. Uh, who? Rolaire. Rolaire. Oh, that's perfect for me. That seems pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to dispute Adam's logic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's the Greatest Generation Premature Assimilation Tour starting now, ending in D.C., right? On the 23rd. Right. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for talking with me today. Good luck on you guys' tour. Thanks, thanks for coming so out, man. As has been discussed on this program previously, the prime directive of podcasting is don't send your audience to another podcast. But I'm going to break that sacred law and tell you to check out Greatest Gen at MaximumFun.org. You can also find Ben on Twitter at at BenjaminAHR and Adam at at CutForTime, and they often tweet with the hashtag GreatestGen. Yes, they've had to deal with some confused veterans and their loved ones, but it's mostly worked out now. Uh, the show's a lot of fun, and like any good movie, I could just sit here and quote bits from them and their show all day long. But instead, just go give them a listen. Their tour is essentially over by now, but keep an eye out for future tours from them. Their live show was really great and a lot of fun. So yeah, I recommend you check them out on Maximum Fun, The Greatest Generation, and thanks to Adam and Ben. Our top comment this week on social media is from fan and former show guest Alan Gratz. He tweets, quote, I don't know, I think it's broken. All I hear is the theme song from Rocky. Hashtag getting strong now. End quote. Well, Alan, it's working perfectly. In point of fact, we were testing our live broadcasting feature, which we'll be using on September 24th at 9.30 p.m. Central Time, immediately following the premiere of Star Trek Discovery. We are doing a Talking Trek-style recap show, but I will learn from LeVar Burton's mistakes and never call it that again. Suffice it to say, every week after Discovery airs, I and a list of special guests will be delivering a Star Trek Discovery chat show where we talk about what just happened, where the series is headed, and when we think we're going to finally see Jason's Isaacs. More info will be available as we get closer to the September 24th show, and we will tweet out links to the live stream to let you know where you can catch the show. I can tell you right now, for the premiere, we're going to have Dave Galanter on the show, former guest and author of Troublesome Minds, and Ella Pearson, one half of Generations Geek, a nerd discussion podcast on the Chronic Rift Network that I'd probably tell you to check out, too. So stay tuned, and thanks for your comment, Alan. You win the crack in the Liberty Bell. Not the bell itself, just the crack. That part's all yours. Remember, listeners, you can inquire if we're broken or not and maybe have your comment read on the air. Just go to facebook.com forward slash EISTpod or find us at at EISTpod on Twitter or through our social media links on enterprisingindividuals.com. You can also reach the show at at EISTpod at gmail.com with feedback and suggestions or to just say hello, we're waiting to receive your transmission. 
I'd also like to direct your attention to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. We've got great subscriber content like our live show from Convergence 2017 about Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan and my imminently upcoming DS9 commentaries, plus my Klingon Christmas Carol production diary, plus a sneak peek at upcoming shows and guests. We work hard to bring you an entertaining and informative show every week, and if this was the 24th century where money didn't exist, we would gladly do it merely for the sense of satisfaction. But this is still somehow the 21st century, and everything seems to cost something. So if you enjoy the show and you want to help out, please check out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. We have many tiers or ranks at which you can contribute with different benefits and prizes you can receive in addition to knowing that you're contributing to something you love and are part of a larger community. Anything you can contribute would be appreciated and would help keep us flying. Thanks. And that's it for this supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals. If you're an iTunes listener and you haven't yet, why not look us up on iTunes and make sure you're subscribed to the show? Also, write a little review for us if the spirit moves you, and please give us a rating at the very least. We'd appreciate it. If you're not on iTunes, you can still subscribe to the show on Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you get our show from, and if you leave positive comments and ratings on those platforms as well, we would be eternally grateful. Next time on Enterprising Individuals. Being a starship captain requires grit, determination, ice water blood, and the ability to lie your ass off? Author David R. George joins us next week for a show of firsts as we watch the first regular production episode of Star Trek, period. Uhura's in gold, Corbomite's in the water, Clint Howard's drinking Tranya, and the world's most interesting man? We don't always talk about the Corbomite maneuver, but when we do, we do it next time on Enterprising Individuals. And until then, I'm your Captain Caliban, signing off and saying, live long and prosper. 